The following podcast may be explicit. Meh. We should give us the chance to get out of this mess. Gonna give us the chance. Little chance of success. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. I'll never notice. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season 12, episode 12 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Bill. This is Stork. And here we are. We've got Bill back. Yay! Haven't had Bill on for quite some time. He's been busy. I've had a lot going on. But, yes. I, but I listen every week on my commute. Oh, do you think? I you? do. Okay. Which takes all week because my commute's I was only 12 say, minutes each way. You have like a 10 minute commute from door <laughs> yeah. to door. And interestingly enough, when I leave the house, I'm still. When I'm in the garage, I'm still hooked into the Wi-Fi, so I start it, and then I drive to the end of the street, and then it tries to switch over to my 3G, and invariably, I lose the stream, and it's a it's a disaster. Oh, it's oh, a mess. Do you listen on uh, Stitcher? Oh, you listen on Stitcher. I listen okay. on Stitcher. You're, I listen on Stitcher. I'm starting to get annoyed with Stitcher. I am too. The, uh, the when they started doing the pre rolls because I, I knew they were going to do them eventually, but I, I I don't like to have to fuck with my phone while I'm driving. Well, the pre-roll only lasts like 15 seconds. Except then it doesn't go right back to the episode, at least not on my, on my phone. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know if there's another solution for streaming, because I do like the streaming, but I am getting a little annoyed by Stitcher. I, also, I'm a big fan of the streaming, too. Yes. Um, the, I think you can get an ad-free version. I don't know how much it costs. It's probably like 5 or 10 bucks, so I may get that. I would pay that. Yeah, just to not... Because I, I don't like to have to sit and fuck with it. I want to put on my show... My long podcast, because I have a long commute, and I don't want to mess with it again. I listen to Planet Money. I'm like, 15 minutes? <laughs> mess with my phone. I'm on the That's phone. right. And it's I over. I hate that. I have a few things I need to talk about before we begin the show. Strategicon.net. That's our, our uh, friendly game con company in Southern California here. Not our company, but Southern California's favorite game con company in Southern California. Uh, Gateway 2014, August 29th through September 1st at the LAX Hilton Hotel, and we will be there. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go and I'm gonna run something. I think my daughter's gonna be with me on Sunday and Monday. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, the G Plus RPG Podcasters community is currently organizing a 2014 RPG Podcast Awards. Oh. So if you are an RPG podcaster, not a listener, but an actual podcaster, like a producer or a host or something, uh, please consider joining the Google Plus community. Nominations will end on uh, around August 5th, I think. That is right around the corner. It's next Tuesday, I think. Uh, Voting for the finalists will end around August 12th. These awards are meant to be recognition by your podcaster, podcasting peers for excellence in the craft of podcasting amongst your your other fellow RPG podcasters. And if they join, <coughs> will they find the the form, the form yes, on it's the... All on, it's all on there. Okay. Yeah, there's a link on the right-hand side on the G Plus page. And this is for podcast makers and, and hosts. Um, it's like... <clears throat> this kind of came out of a conversation about the Emmy Awards and podcasting. Mm-hmm. Because there's always been podcasting to the Annies has always been the redheaded stepchild, and no no offense to any redheaded stepchildren out there, but um, 
but no one loves you. Anyway, the <laughs> well, dude, dude, hey, hey, they're soulless. That's well, yeah, they're gingers. Anyway, but the um, the I mean, there was actually uh, there's been an, any judge or two who have come out and said, "I hate podcasts. I don't like listening podcasts. I don't podcasts. I don't get podcasts." But I'm going to decide which the best one is. Yeah, that's. Really, I mean, it just really it, it doesn't it's. It, the, the any award doesn't have a lot of relevance, and that's not to distract f- from anyone who's won one because the people who've won them do excellent shows. Um, but we figured it would be perhaps more meaningful if all of the people who who understand what goes into actually trying to create a show pick out the three or four people and say because there's different categories there's like four different categories and say these are the people that we think are doing it the best you're not allowed to nominate yourself you're probably not going to be allowed to vote for yourself but we haven't actually discussed that yet so so it's 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 like the oscars yes yes it's the academy of rpg podcasts arts and sciences excellent (laughs) what's the what's the award going to be called we don't know yet don't know thinking the audi the Audi, the Innie, nice. and the Audi. Like, maybe I, I don't know. I, I, I the potty, I the potty. Mm-hmm. Maybe it with could D's, be with D's, of course. It, it could, we were thinking the tabletop RPG podcast awards or something like that. So the the titty. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I'm probably not going to be put a tr- put in charge of naming it. I'm shocked. <laughs> um, I, I should be called the booby. The bo- it could be a booby. It could be a booby prize. There you go. That's nice. Uh, also, listen to the most... Everyone r- likes boobies. Everyone does. Especially babies. Wouldn't you like that? If someone said, would you like a booby? You'd say yes. <laughs> That's what I'd say. They're exactly. really, they got a really big wingspan, though, and they're hard to fit in a room. They are. Right. Uh, also, if you have not heard, uh, last week, Mr. Edward Mark Podcast joined us. Uh, Phil, who I also like to call Paul. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you did. You called him Paul like I three did. times during the and and Chris joined us and then we joined them on the that following Friday and that episode is up so you can go to misdirectedmark.com and find that I'll put a link in the show notes to that that's meta that's so meta it is it's very meta it's like Inception it is it absolutely is and then finally if you uh, are a, a listener to the show and if you're hearing this I'm gonna guess you are uh, you can go to Happy Jack's uh, well let's see where is it. Happyjacks.org slash 2014 survey. I'll put a link in the show notes. Or our uh, Facebook page, because it's right there. It's on the, yeah, it's on the Facebook page as well. And I, and I will remind people that we're doing this. I'm only going to keep it open probably for another week. We've got 127 responses, and it went out, came out yesterday. That's fantastic. That's yeah, good. It's a lot. And this, is, and this is separate from the whole podcast thing, just <coughs> so that people know. And it's a way for us to tailor our show to make yes. sure that we're if, we're... if there's something people don't like, so... It's and it, it th- there there are a bunch of questions kind of asking about your listening habits. Uh, there's some questions about what games you play primarily, what you play, not what you're interested in. Which I kind of should have asked both. Yeah, but there's uh, a there's a section for notes though. They can add whatever. Well, they want. yeah. Th- then there's um, uh, uh, wh- what you do when you play. Are you primarily a player or a GM, and how often you GM and stuff like that. And then. Uh, then I ask, like, the, the sorts of topics that we tend to talk about on the show. Do you like how much we have now? Do you want to hear more? Do you want to hear less? And that is always very insightful. Because mm-hmm. we, we find out what people want and what they don't want. Because we, we've talked about this before, because we're in a band, and usually we're performing in front of a live audience. We get instant feedback. And if we do good? Yeah. 
And if if we do bad, it's Boo! just right. But we don't get that because we're just sitting in your room drinking beer. We don't know. So this survey is a way for you to boo us or applaud us. Yes. So that we have a clue. And we want both. I we mean, do. We really do. And we then will it, not, we will not make the show better unless you tell us exactly what, what we need to improve. We can't. Right. And I know there's a section there, uh, and it's true. That it's just for Stu to read. Yes. And then he, you know, will will do what that is needs to happen. But it's an opportunity to. Really, like, just make us dance like puppets because we pretty much really take to heart what gets said in there. So, absolutely. I mean, I've and I've already gone through 127 responses, and there's like a, you can write like a paragraph long thing if you want on you know what what is the one thing that you would want to improve on the show, and then there's another thing if there's any you have any other comments. Um, a lot of the stuff in there is very positive, which is very very kind, but a lot of the stuff in there is very frank things about this needs to change, this needs to change. This sucks. This, this and that's good. And and you know I, I don't, I can't take absolutely everything and do all of that because, for instance, the soundboard, the soundboard has been mentioned exactly four times in one hundred and twenty-seven responses. Oh, and it's not working. And look how good it works too. <laughs> oh, that's why. Maybe that's why. Is that why? I don't know. Maybe it is. Oh, oh there it goes. Anyway, <laughs> I hope that was the soundboard. That was the soundboard. But um, as far as you know, it got mentioned four times. Two people said never use it again, mm-hmm. and two people said absolutely don't stop using it. So they cancel each other out. So uh, what? What do I do? Yeah. What do I do? I'm going to keep using it, but because <laughs> it makes me laugh. So you should. Yeah, and and I test first. That's probably an important. I should. Element. I, I, I usually sure always do works. a soundboard test before I start. But. Um, but yeah, do, do go in there. I've already read all of the 127 or 128 responses for everything, and uh, and and I, I mean definitely like one of the things I'm seeing that's skewing is like people really want uh, like scenario design, a lot more of that. That's so cool. I mean, and that, that's great. That, that's great to know. Yeah, because when we're trying to sit here and come up with topics, it's like after five oh, years, what should we talk about? And then if I just look at this and go. Well, people really want to hear about scenario design, so let's take an aspect of scenario design and let's really drive in on that and just talk about that. Done. So, yeah, I mean it, it's very handy. So please go and take it. Let your let your voice be heard, um, and you can chime in on the soundboard if you want. There's no there's no item on that. You'd have to put that in the in the comments. But there you go. Let us know. Let us know. We'll make a better show. Let Not you too, please. God. My my daughters have been singing that like nonstop since that movie came out. I just it's I, singing constantly. What? Singing what? I'm not getting that reference. Okay, I don't know. It's a book. <laughs> um, my daughter was in a um like a talent show. Mm-hmm. Four different kids <laughs> at four different times <laughs> were singing "Let It Let Go." Let it go. Yeah. Wow. There is a great, uh, I linked it on my Facebook page. There's this great, uh, I don't know, comedy troupe, is the way I can put it, called The Dads. And they do really funny stuff. The one thing I saw them do before is they have kids come in and, like, tell a story. Uh And the kids are doing it. And then they act it out. And they're, like, where the kids are actually providing the voices, but they're doing the talking. I've seen that. Or the top of it. And it's hilarious. They wrote a song... And did a response 
It's like the dad's response to Frozen. So, uh-huh. It is hilarious. Okay. Because it sounds just like a Disney song. <laughs> and it's and it's really, really funny. So uh, Google that bad boy on YouTube. There's a, right. there's a great one that somebody wrote that's about altos. It's like in, in the whole attached line, my range never bothered me anyway. But it's about her. Oh, no, here it goes. <laughs> the, the notes I can't do. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> this song's too fucking high. There is some swearing in it, but it's it's is pretty an, funny. It's an astronomically high song. Um, uh, oh, if you want to uh, email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail dot com. Happyjacksrpg at gmail dot com. You can also go to our forum, happyjacks dot org slash forum. Um, the uh, Facebook page. Facebook page. Uh, there's actually a Facebook page and there's also a Facebook community if you search for Happy Jack's RPG Podcast for either of those they will show up there's also a G Plus community uh, and you can follow tw- on Twitter Happy Jack's RPG all one word I think that's all of them there's a I, Pinterest account I have a MySpace oh, what's your my, you, my, yeah. Happy Jack's RPG Podcast on MySpace on MySpace I get an Orchid and, account and Tribe are they? Are their servers still working? Yes. Are they still like tribe? Yeah. yeah. Yes. No one can find out find out where it is to shut it off. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they think the guy who was taking care of it died, and it no one knows be. where it is. It's right. In his basement, chugging away. We're <laughs> waiting for someone to stop paying the electric bill and shut the electricity off. Never know. <laughs> All right. Um, topic. Thirteen minutes. Topic the first. What a plugs. I wanted to talk about uh, combat. I want to talk about what? Com- I want to talk about combat and keeping the drama in combat uh. and ways to make combat interesting because as we've said on this show many 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 times uh, role playing kind of ends kind of kind of goes away during combat there people make valiant efforts to keep it around but as you're playing especially in certain kinds of games <clears throat> when combat tends to drag on a ways when you have large pools of hit points and it's, I hit, I do this, I hit, I do this, mm-hmm. I hit, I do this. It starts to become, it gets turned into a grind. And are there ways that we can make combat more interesting? It doesn't necessarily have to bring role-playing back into it. Because I'm kind of of the opinion that that may be a fool's errand. It may not, may not even really be entirely possible to keep up a character in in combat because time moves so slowly in combat. You can't... Re- I mean, realistically, you can't have that much role-playing because you can only say a turn is a second, let's say, or you know, th- six seconds. There's only so much role-playing that can happen between turns, right? It, so, but are there other ways that you can, like, increase the tension or increase the drama within a combat to make it more interesting and maybe more dramatic so that it really becomes that sort of dramatic denouement of the session. You know, you've been role playing, you've figured stuff out, and you've kindly get to the to the the, the, the climax of the moment, and you've you, you've identified who the murderer is, and he's running away, and the, you know uh, this combat ensues, or we go into combat time to capture him or resolve the situation. Is there a way we can keep the drama going? It doesn't have to be role playing, but keep the drama going. So that the tension stays there and it becomes that big dramatic moment. That's what I would like to talk about. Which is different, I think, than playing a deadly system where 
one hit or two hits can absolutely kill you. There's ver- there's very few systems that work that way. Right. I mean, I mean, there are a few, but even it, like GURPS, which is known for being very deadly, uh, if you're playing melee, you can go a long time before someone even lands a hit. That's true. And it could still go on always. Um, and then there are, are are other games where you there is one roll that happens, and then that resolves the combat system like that it doesn't necessarily matter as much but there's a lot of games out there that have a tactical or a quasi tactical combat system and that's kind of really what I'm talking about is those kind of games uh, I, I would put GURPS in that lump GURPS in that category I would put all the, the D&D Pathfinder games in that category and anything that's got like a, 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 a hit hit points and movement rules L5R would fit in that category I think anything where, where combat is not just here's, here's a role that will resolve this combat and it's done. They don't need that, but the games that really where where combat becomes a game within the game are the ones, and that's I think most systems. I think so. Who anyone have any? I just wrote down like eight hundred notes. Okay, so, uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, all right, so I think there's uh, I think there's actually a lot of things that that we can do as GMs or even as players. Uh, let's all take both sides of that uh, to keep that that drama happening during combat um so one that i wrote down was bennies so if you're playing in a system that has bennies like savage worlds or something anything that is similar to that right where mm-hmm. i can be spending points to make something happen um as the gm you can reward or incent keeping the drama alive or the role playing alive um as people do it or encourage people to use those bennies to do something dramatic or interesting so it's not just pool numbers, right? I ran uh, one of my fact games at Con. We got to the big fight with the big bad guy, and one of the players who was a ex SS officer who was also a werewolf because it was that kind of game. Right on. Um, decided that to beat this guy who was a necromancer and mm-hmm. undead himself was going to run across the room, get on top of the guy, hold his head and like pry his his head back so his mouth was open while another player threw him a grenade, (laughs) then take it, jam it down his throat and hold it until it went off. (laughs) And so this was like, this is what's going to happen. Like, that is awesome. That's a lot of rolls. Let's do it. Right. And uh, what system was this? uh, I was in Savage World. Okay. Uh, and so the great thing was they probably, to make that happen, that very dramatic moment happen, they probably spent eight or nine bennies between the whole group. Because is that all happening kind of simultaneously? That was like this, like that was the plan. Like right. this, He's about to have the the very, he's about to make the very big bad thing happen. We feel like we've got one chance to stop him. Right. Right. What are we going to do? It's going to have to be extreme. I'm going to do this. You're going to like, and so it, it also kind of played into another thing I wrote down, which is like combos that were based on the characters. Mm-hmm. So one guy could throw really well, and he had he was the guy who had grenades, and he's like, but I don't. I'm afraid I can't hit him, and if I throw it at him, it's he'll just move away from it, or he'll you know there, there's too many possibilities for that to go wrong if I just throw a grenade near the guy. Sure. Right? The other player was very fast and very strong, the guy who could turn into a werewolf. And so he's like, I'm going to go over there, like basically 
grapple the guy, hold him. You're going to throw me the grenade, which I will catch, and then hold inside his mouth until it goes off. <laughs> yes, I'll probably lose my hand. I don't care. I'm a werewolf. It'll come back next moon. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> like, I'm not even thinking that far, right? <laughs> um, which was great, because it made that combat, which certainly could have gone on and been rife with, uh, you know, just, I'm, we're rolling numbers, I'll try that, oh, he'll move, he won't move, blah, blah, was got to encapsulate that in a very dramatic moment, mm-hmm. right? That was very much based on who their characters were. Um, and, and that was enabled um, by the fact that they, that they knew they could try something crazy like that because they had bennies to fall back on. They had a way to add, to, to re-roll or try to make, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. And and Savage Worlds has that mechanic where, like, if you, you want to try to do multiple stuff in one turn, you you take these, like, cumulative penalties right. to each thing. So you need that big stack of bennies to be able to sit there and roll and roll and roll right. until you get but those. But you can also assist as well. So if there were right. people that didn't ever do anything, they could assist, which means they could give them the other the other people that were throwing and all that, their bennies. So, right. I mean, that's, that's how exactly how it worked. It was like, yes, that's the thing that's going to happen. The other three people in the room were like, we're useless. Go here, you guys. I got right. leadership. I'm gadding my bennies, like all these things, right? So I thought that was great. Um, and of course, you let them succeed, right? Because it was just too awesome to I fail. Didn't, I didn't let them. No. They succeeded. Yes. They got the rolls. <laughs> That's you're right. They, you know, it was well great. said. Um, the uh, I, I let it happen, though. I loved it. Right? Definitely yes, ending on that. Um, uh, another one that I wrote down was uh, was ethical choice. Mm-hmm. So this is for the example. There's a fight. It's happening. The big, the big bad guy, or the guy that you're trying to go after, you know, the target of your aggressions in the combat is getting away. But then you have the choice to either follow him or save the kid who's dangling from the cliff edge. Right. What are you going to do? Right. And so suddenly, and and that. That one potentially pulls you out of combat. You can have other ones that keep you in combat, mm-hmm. right? Like, which of these two guys are you going to fight, right? There's, and and a lot of times that comes around. <clears throat> one of them is about to push the button that's going to launch the missiles that are going to destroy the capital, uh, the capital building. The other guy uh, has a, a blade at the throat of the president's daughter. Which guy are you going at? Right. And, and then you're like, oh, like so now there's... It's not just a combat. Like, there's choices involved in the combat that are leading you down a very certain direction. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, even the order in... You can even apply that to the order in which you fight enemies. Right? And it's it's kind of like when you're doing... It's a... In my mind, it's a, a smaller version of when you're doing big world-building stuff. And you're saying, like, all these things are happening at the same time. Which thread are you guys going to follow? And when they follow that thread, they resolve those things. But all those other things still happened in the same time frame they happened. Right. Right? You didn't follow that path, so you don't really know what happened there. I think of games like uh, like Walking Dead or Wolf Among Us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you're a console or PC players that are, are great in that way. They really present you with, in the middle of fights, with choices. Which of these two guys with a shotgun I'm about to go after? Right. And you got to pick, and you're on a timer. And that's the thing that keeps the suspense high, too, right? Um, you, you have a, a short window to decide whether it's A or B. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's maybe, I just thought of that, maybe that's another interesting thing to do is to have people kind of on a, on a bit of a clock. Right. Right, on to make a decision. Um, you know, riffing off of that, the whole moral consequences thing, 
uh, I was thinking, would it be interesting to take a normal combat and turn it on its ear? Like, halfway through the combat, the people uh, that you're fighting surrender. Or... They're like, well, that's it, we're done. We, we're, they throw down the weapons. What, is, what do your players do now? Do they stop fighting? Do they run them through? Do well, see, if you're, if you're playing... If, if your player characters have any sort of moral center, it's, it is a horrible, terrible thing to do to them to have... <laughs> to, to basically present them with prisoners. Yeah. I mean, for most murder hobos, that's no problem. Right, Wh- sure. Whatever. But like, well, if they're like like samurai, yeah. oh, we give up. We're now prisoners of your daimyo. Mm-hmm. Take well, us away. But but even just like, we're not getting paid enough for this. You know, just let us go. We're You know, I'm not going to tell anybody. Sure. We're just town guards. I don't, I, don't get, I don't get paid enough to take you guys on. Uh, something like that. Or even just goblins. We're like, you know, don't kill us or we are family. You know, or what about if you have them just uh, take off running and now you have a running fight. Mm-hmm. So the, suddenly the tactics have changed a bit where they're not just standing off, squaring off. They're like hiding behind things and throwing things and then they'd stop and fight and run some more. And it changes the dynamic of a fight. So it's more of a, it, you're just changing it up. It's not your standard fight anymore. Right. I think one thing we do tend to do as GMs <clears throat> is we'll have these moments of, oh my gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to kill my guys. I don't want to kill the people I'm playing with. That'd be bad. And so I better dumb down my, the enemies. So, and I think that contributes a lot. We just said start to that feeling of oh, it's just numbers walking towards me. Yeah, right. my numbers are better than the other numbers. That's, that's right. fine, right? And if if you start, and it was funny, there was that game when you were running the the um, the fa- group. Yeah, I know group. exactly what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it came in, and Steve's like, oh, I'm usually pretty bad at the tactics. I'm like, oh, great, I'm going to run a combat. And I was ruthless, right? <laughs> I took out Tyler's eye, right? And he, he, he was like, holy crap! But I think the upside is Tyler was like. That was awesome. <laughs> like that, my guy's gonna wear that as a badge of honor that he survived that battle with those demons. And right, bosses, you know, and it, and it is interesting because your players will use every tactic available to them to beat your enemies, right? And if the enemies are just stupid, unless they're designed to be stupid, unless they're dumb zombies or something, um, you're almost doing a disservice to them. I think. In that way, and it certainly isn't as, as I think interesting. Simply even using the terrain to your benefit can make a, a normal combat be much more interesting. Uh, have them standing on the on the castle palisades. You could ha- you, they could be knocking guys over, or they even have a chance of slipping and falling over themselves. It's rainy out. You sure you want to fight on the t- on the top of this wall? Okay, or uh, running through the, the, the greasy streets. Those streets weren't clean. Sure, <laughs> it was raw sewage. Right. I mean, imagine the first time that. Uh, you know, if your your players are are in a combat and they're in a fantasy setting, and there's an enemy mage who throws oil slick under the group, everybody knows what's coming next. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Right? It's like, but we never do that. I'm throwing fl- now. I'm throwing fireball in it, and I, I think guys, a lot, you're all burning. I think there's some role playing that w- opportunities that we all miss by not utilizing the enemies correctly and not playing up the terrain and not even playing up the environment. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're in a foggy city street, everybody's taking a minus to hit. The streets are slick, the cobblestones are slick, so you have a balance check to make. All of a sudden there's a lot more interest in how to, and people are going to come up with different tactics. Oh, I'm going to wrap rags around my feet, okay? That's fine. I'm going to put my back against a wall, okay? That's fine. Suddenly they're you're all you've done is change the parameters of a of a typical combat just a little bit and you've made it that much more interesting. Now, I don't want to add a bunch more charts and roll, you know, dice pools onto the thing, but I think by just thinking about it carefully, start with the environment or something, I think you can make a, a, a combat's better. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, even if you think if you're in a, a, a sci-fi setting, right, it's like, you can't use blasters in here. You'll put a hole in the side of the ship. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I <clears throat> <we> can't? <laughs> Oops. Crap. <laughs> right? Now what? Yeah, and all um, of a sudden their tactics have been, my God, that's all he does. He's Mr. Shooty. You know, and I, and I think that a lot of this stuff is is how are you how are you changing it up so the players aren't doing the same thing? So maybe that's some of this falls into more of creating variety in combat mm-hmm. rather than raising the stakes. Um, I, I think some things you could do uh, in terms of keeping the drama there and those types of things. Um, one, in, encourage players to have signature moves. Right, I think you see that a lot in fantasy novels or films or things where whether it's Zorro with putting the Z in guys or uh, you know in uh, my long time ago Elfnor was a character who when he killed guys cut their hearts out like that was his thing. Right, he had a thing that he did and that happened after <laughs> combat. Right, but he also you know he also had a signature move when he started combat, which is I would draw my sword. It was two handed, all at attack. Neck. Da- neck. That was it. Like, I opened every combat that way. Mm-hmm. Right? Even if it was the stupid thing to do. And Can that was kind of like, that's almost falls in that beliefs are better than strategy. Could even be a catchphrase. My name is Indigo Montoya. Right. Something that, something that is unique about your character that, that you get to have happen. Right? Um, or, or that type of thing where we talked about, like, you're, somebody's fighting and it's like, oh, I have this person at a disadvantage. Right? Uh, I I I can't fight them, right? right? I I have to get you here. Your this sword back. Be sporting. It has to <laughs> be sporting. Like something, and you're like, wow, that would be a really bad strategic move, a bad tactic to employ. Ah, but that's my character, right? Right. Um, it's like I could no I could no sooner uh, break a beautiful stained glass window right. than to kill. You know. Well, and, but the flip side of that too is have your you could have your villains do the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, my name is Lugo Lampoya. You killed my father, prepared to die, and he sits there and squares off, and then he runs, right? It's complete. <coughs> or, or uh, you know, the sword fight in Indiana Jones. He sits there and waves his sword around, gets ready to go, and then he just goes. I have a confession to make. I am no left-handed. <laughs> I'm not left-handed either. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Great, great worm on the forum has a, a, a couple interesting things that he posted because I. When I remember to, to to put a topic up on like Tuesday or Wednesday, I will also sometimes remember to put up in the show preview sub forum. Mm-hmm. This is the topic we're going to talk about. If you want to chime in on it, and a few people did. So, but uh, one of the things he said is um, he gives a couple of examples. When he calls hold the line, says there is a silly number of goblins coming, hundreds. No way to beat them at all, but you don't have to. You just have to hold them off long enough for the villagers to get. On the last boat at the dock to escape. That's great. Yeah, yeah that's that great. kind of a thing. Um, uh, beat beat the clock. Uh, you get into a big fight with a mad scientist and his minions. Unfortunately, his man ape lab assistant is climbing around the lab equipment trying to pump life into more evil critters. Do you throw everything at the mad scientist or focus on the man ape before he can he can overwhelm you with reinforcements? Mm-hmm. There again, when you get into that. And that's that 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 brings up kind of an interesting thing about there's sort of like a time limit. There's someone doing something bad, but it may not necessarily be a big plot element. Maybe it's going to, maybe if they complete it, it becomes a very serious tactical complication to the right. fight that's going on. 
Right. As if, well. you, if you wait long enough, the thing's going to thaw out and it's going to come at you. So, right. I mean, if you spend too much time fucking around, the or ice the, melts and out it comes. Or the guards who are hearing the alarm bell are, you know, marching Takes, in across right. the courtyard and at some point they're going to get here. Yes. Right. <clears throat> I wrote, I'm wondering, and it's interesting, that one reminds I wrote Mooks versus Wild Cards on here too, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have a lot of guys that you could probably fairly easily beat and then some other guys in the battle that are much tougher. But if you ignore the guys that are kind of easy to beat, they will overwhelm you oh, sure. at some point. So how how are you dividing that? And and how is how is that keeping tension or drama in it? And that's part of it is like, you know, whether that's there's gonna be reinforcements coming or man, I I really should take it. It's almost when you're or, or you're playing in an MMO to a degree, right? You're like, do you yeah, maybe we should take out the healer first because if we don't, he's just going to keep healing those guys. Right, right. So uh, typical gotta, MMO tactics. Yeah, it's a you know like what are what are those tactics that are going to make not only the comment more interesting but put some put some spice or some drama into it. Um, another one I wrote was one of the things I like about champions, um, which again has that very short time frames in combats. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of numbers, big system, GURPS like in that way um, is soliloquies. Because it clearly states in the rules, soliloquies take no time. Right. And you can just say whatever you want. Right. Oh, man, you've got very me monologuing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that right? scene from The Incredibles. Right. And so it's Oh, the, you. Wow, you're good. You got me monologuing. You know, and that's, and that's kind of the, the thing where you can definitely add a lot of character, right, into, into your combat situation. Which mm-hmm. I think you know is part of it because people. I think that's one of the big complaints. Is like, oh, uh, I'm just fighting. I'm just rolling dice. It's 15 orcs. Who cares? You know what they are. I mean, if you if you again, depending on the size of your combats, another thing you can do is to assign like a single trait, if you will, to the, what you would normally think of as the run of the mill enemies. So you might have. Five, five or six goblins that are fighting, but one's cowardly and one's sneaky and one's sleepy and dopey. <laughs> exactly, <you know. laughs> bashful, it, bold, whatever it is, and, that, <laughs> right. and that's going to dictate their their tactical maneuver. The mm-hmm. next thing they do, that one guy's going to go, "Oh, he's trying to get around behind that guy." The other guy's like, "Oh, screw it, he's running." The third guy's like, "Nope, he goes in head first. Right. And and so if you're, and that's an interesting way. Maybe if you're not a fantastic tactician as a gm when you're moving minis around or doing that you can kind of let the that trait for those individual enemies dictate what they would do in the combat Mm -hmm. right so it's almost a a little guide that you can use um to do that and i think that is a lot of times when you go back and look at when you're playing in games and you you're fighting an enemy who does something particularly interesting in the combat you really remember that Right, right. Um, just like you remember when you're a, a player, or as a GM, you remember your players that do things really interesting. Um, and I think that's definitely a, a big way to to keep that combat not just boiling down to numbers and the role playing goes out the window. I used to have in Champions games as a tactic. It got to the point where my players expected it, but I would have the players knock the guy out, and they go over to gloat over his body, and then he'd smack him again. <laughs> he was just pl- playing possum. Right, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. which is a, a, a something you can do all the time. It's like, ah, oh, we killed him, and it's like, nah. It's a simple thing. They had in the very early on when we were playing the fourth edition D and D game. You guys fought, I think, goblins in a swamp, and I went and I picked out all these goblins, 
And they were all like whatever they were, whatever the generic goblin was, the first level or second level thing. And then I grabbed one and I like leveled them up because that was when they had the online D&D tools, mm-hmm. online thing. Where, and I just I just bumped him up a couple levels. And he's not, he's not like, you know, super, super duper goblin, but he's like, he's got a little bit of a bonus to hit. He's got a little bit of an AC bonus. And I just kind of threw him in the mix. Mm-hmm. He's not, wasn't even the leader who was in charge of it. He's just one of the guys who's seen a lot of combat and he's just a lot better he's at like it. like a veteran. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking Bruce that figured it out and noticed. It's like, and he, he's, I remember we had gone through like four or five rounds of combat and he pointed at the map and he says, No one has been able to hit that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, damn it. But that's great. He got but, now. He gets to be smart. That's right. right? As, a, exactly. as a player or a character, mm-hmm. right? He's like, oh, oh, I've noticed that guy. No one's landed a hit on him, right? And it, I mean, think about it when you when you watch giant battles in films, right? Like in fantasy films or something. You'll you, there's just this sea of guys all fighting each other, but then there's you know the hero or the villain or main characters that are kind of wading through the battle, and nobody can seemingly touch them until they get to another guy of similar gravitas in battle right and it, and it's and it makes for this pretty fascinating you know flow around what you're doing i mean that's a that's another interesting thing to do again depending on what type of game you're running is to give the players some control over larger numbers of forces or lesser powered mm-hmm. people right on their thing um in the pirate pathfinder game that that tyler's well, I would say running, but Ran is running, sure. Anyway, in the Parrot Pathfinder game... Dreamer. Um, yeah, I'm a dreamer. Uh, we all have one or two crew members that we are also in charge of. So when we've gotten into a couple of really big ship-to-ship battles, we're also... We have our characters, and we're the heroes, but then we're, we're also controlling these other lower-level swabbies mm-hmm. that are there, and that's pretty fun because it... You're like, yep, he goes there, he goes there. You just kind of move him around. Yep, he's going to fight. Okay, then, then when it gets to your turn, you're like, oh, I have a lot of stuff I can do. I'm, I'm kind of important. And it, it actually, I found for me, made me take a step back and think about, well, what would my character do? Because if those two guys just ran up and swung their swords, that's all my guy's going to do. My guy's awesome. Right. So I'm, I'm going to swing across on a rope, and I'm going to say this thing, and then I'm going to land behind the guy. Like, ha-ha, because I'm, fant- I'm swashbuckly. Yeah. Right. Uh, D.T. Pints made the suggestion, uh, he actually gives a couple, but this one I think really stands out. Finally, he says, make some character death. Tyler said it during the last episode, I think the AP would benefit from a character death. Samurais should have the opportunity to die gloriously. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Great way to... Bring drama in is to kill off one of the PCs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I remember in your four E game, Casey died gloriously. We, we, it was those exploding demon things. It was exploding, know. exploding skeletons, right? Yeah. And then, so he he had this, he had this, he set off a chain war, reaction, right? He had right. a warforge, and he set off this like he hit one into another, and suddenly they all were exploding to each other. He blew up one, which damaged him, and damaged the one next to him, which was enough to make that one blow up. 
which damaged him and right. damaged the one next to him, which is enough to make which that made one. that one. Fall. Right. So they just kept blowing, and he took he like and it killed him. He it killed him, but he took out most of the skeletons by oh, himself because yeah. they all did. blew yeah. each other up. That's why I had them all bunched together because they were vicious that way. <laughs> <laughs> but that see, and that's but that's a great thing. I mean, you you have to either know or hope that your player is not going to be. I can't believe you killed my character. That's the worst thing ever. I'm out of here. You guys are dicks. Screw you guys. I'm out of here. And, you know, and hopefully <laughs> and that does happen. It, no, it does. It does. Um, but you know, I, I I do think there there is that 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 definitely. I, I will say when you know for and hopefully this isn't spoilers by this point. But if you've if you've not seen Serenity the film, there are characters that die. It's a long time film, ago now. Long time ago now. But when that character dies, the thing that was particularly brilliant in it is for the rest of the fight. I re- I thought, oh my god, Joss will kill anybody. Right. And so suddenly, a combat that I normally might have been leaning back, which happens my seat immediately watching, after that, right? Right. That happens yeah. right after it. I was sitting, I was leaning forward. Yeah, right? I wasn't sitting back. I was leaning forward. And I call, oh my god, oh my god, and people are getting hurt. And you're like, because you, you, you know, you know, this is like, you know, this film is supposed to wrap everything up. Maybe he kills everybody off. Yeah, I, we I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, and I and I think that's that's such a, a a fantastic element to do, right? Because suddenly it puts everything else in doubt. You can accomplish that at slightly lower stakes to your party if you do it to a beloved NPC. Sure. Right, because um, then it's like, wow! If the GM will kill off that guy or that girl, whoo! I yep. don't. Maybe I don't feel so safe anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is particularly good if the, like in the Casey example, if the player is doing something incredibly heroic. Sure, and, and he knew that's what causes it to. He owned it too. One of one of them had already blown up and like hurt someone and damaged something or something. Mm-hmm. So he kind of realized. What was probably going to happen, and he said, "Of all of all of us here, I'm probably the one that can survive it. If if anyone is going to, so right. I'm going right. to throw myself at this." And it's and, and it's didn't. great, right? Whether it's whether it's death or, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, or injury, mm-hmm. right? Like, wow, this thing happened. You lost a leg. Yes, you you made it through, and you got the victory. You got the win. But mm, well, hello, Peggy. Right now you're now you're hobbling around with a little wooden friend that can piss off players more than actually killing them all of a sudden you've maimed their their baby and they're like dude i'm, I'm gonna go get i'm gonna get it regenerated okay well that becomes a great plot thread oh <laughs> yeah, my god sure. it's a fantastic experience one eye one leg one hand call him lucky yeah i mean but that's a but but then that's an amazing opportunity right if the player's like screw that i don't want a peg leg i need to get a i need to get it regenerated or a magical replacement you know, or cybernetics, depending on world you're in. That mm-hmm. is awesome. You guys, there's your next quest. There's a, a group, if you can convince everybody else that, that they're going to go do that with you. There's another thing that uh, we haven't really touched on, but it, it does tie in with, like, the moral, you know, giving your a moral center. What if there's moral consequences to your combats? If you decide, or the town guard confronts you and you decide to kill the town guard, there needs to be consequences in that town. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think a lot of games don't address that. They just figure, well, nobody finds the bodies till weeks later, so, and they don't, they can't prove anything because yeah, mm-hmm. they don't want to, they don't want to derail their precious story. They, they want to. I think that's usually why uh, most GMs don't want to follow through uh, with bad behavior like that. I mean, the, when when I ran my the, the Savage Worlds Ghostbuster game, the Ghostbusters game, and Gina punched someone in front of like thirty cops, I had like this whole thing planned, and I've got a time limit, and I'm thinking, 
but I'm, I really kind of want to know what would have happened if if I would have ar- arrested her ass and yeah. put her in jail. Right, what, sure. What would have happened with the game? And in, in a way, I kind of robbed her of how that's going to happen, and everyone else, including myself, because that could have been fucking awesome. Right. <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough with the con game, though. Yeah. It is a little tough, but you know what? From now that I'm, I'm running con games with four players, if it goes that way, I'm going. There, I'm going there with them. Venkman would have bailed them out with her with their lawyer. But if I'll, you, I hadn't even thought of that. But if you, um, if you, if you have moral consequences to one or two of their combats, they're going to be more careful about getting into combats, and they're going to approach them differently. Mm-hmm. Instead of just slaughtering people in the streets, or even even the orcs, right? If you kill the orcs and some of them run away, then maybe they come back with a like you know. They're big brothers. Or maybe maybe the orcs come back with the rest of their tribe and burn down the town. Exactly. Because <laughs> right. or, the, or the town you happened to be in when you did that. Yeah. That's not even yours. Yep. I mean, imagine if you're adventuring, you're going through some town, There's you, what you do has some serious consequence that probably won't happen for a few weeks. Right. You leave to go about your merry way. You come back months later... I wonder what happened to this town. Like, oh, it was horrible. This orcish army came in and like ate everyone and burned all the buildings. Like, why would they do that? Because some murder hobos came by and pissed them off. We don't know. We've been living in peace with this tribe for the last thirty years. Somehow, the truce got broken. Uh, we don't know. Right, right. <laughs> it's like Dragon Slayer. Somebody came and woke them or, up, or maybe the villagers do know, and yeah. they and they brought a a lynch mob. With right. Them. Yeah. I mean. Um, I think that's great. I think consequence is great. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're at 40. We should probably go on to the emails at this point. I think. They're mostly talking about 5th uh, edition D&D on the, on the uh, uh, chat room. Because the chat room is there. Hello, chat room. Hi, Chad. And, is 5th oh, edi- edition, can you play? I thought they were waiting like 16 months to release no, no, all the no. different well, stuff. The, I, I in, got the basic in, set. In sequel, like that. The, they released the basically kind of the core... Um, Character generation rules mm-hmm. for free on a PDF. That's you can nice. just go download them. That's nice. And it also has the uh, combat rules in it. It basically kind of play the whole game up to character sheet, third or fifth level. I think fifth level, something like that. Uh, and then there's the starter set, which was twenty bucks. And leveling slow. Leveling's like the first. It's like AD and D, where it's it takes a long time to get up to level two. So you could play. You, you're not going to get to level five in a weekend unless you've got a real Monty Hall right. GM. I think. But you've got uh, the the basic set comes with f- six pregens, I think, and uh, the basic rules of the game, a basic adventure. I think, th- I think that's it. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's you could get started and handful of monsters. If you if you want to, yeah, it, the, just what are included in the, yeah. in the in the module. And the module's big. I mean, it's campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that free book online, you can make your own characters. You don't have to use the pregens. Um. It, it'll get you started. I would imagine a normal game could probably start running a campaign now, and by the time they would need the fifth level stuff, the player's handbook will be out. I think that's their plan. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. And when they get tired of fighting the eight monsters in th- that module, the monster manual. You know what? I, and I was wondering why they did this, and it was you that pointed out. It's like this is what they do. Remember when ADD came out? It's like you got this handful of things, and you started playing, and then eventually the player's handbook came out, and then right. like three years later, the DM's guide came out, and then you know somewhere in between, then the monster manual came out, and they would roll these things out slowly, and we were like ecstatic when they came out. Mm-hmm. But we were playing. We didn't wait for right. all those books to show up before we started playing. I remember playing before the monster manual came out. Oh, I think by the time I started, the Monster Manual was already out. I think. 
Oh, but, but I'm not nearly as old as you are. It's true. Email from Bill in Arizona. <laughs> and I, I, this got moved to the front, front of the line. If you have a question for us that is time-sensitive, like if you have a game coming up and you need advice on something right away, you can always mark your email as urgent. Put it in the subject line, please. Um, and after this email, I'll talk a little bit about emails in general because that's something that's shown up already on the on the listener survey. Ooh, ooh. Uh, but yeah, you can always mark something. If you lie, you're going to ruin it for everyone because then I won't believe the urgent marks. That's right. <laughs> Don't cry wolf. Don't cry wolf. Dear Grand Douches and Duchesses, uh, after having a blast at my first Orcon this past February, I'm looking forward to returning to LA again for my first gateway. Yay! Woo! Uh, there is one thing that has haunted me from Orcon. Ooh. I played in Stu's Moment of Truth game, in which our party was sent by a local magistrate to deal with an upstart headman in the neighboring town. I played Bink the Cunning, and he was described as thiefish. The background provided him. Uh, provided described how Bink had failed to complete the assassination contract, making Bink the enemy of the local crime boss. boss. See consequences. Right. Once the magistrate gave us the job, my first instinct was to try to convince the party that the local local boss had something to do with the had something to do with the local the, the um, with the local crime boss and had and. And hope that I could steer things such that the boss would end up dead. Oh, I get that. So the guy that was after him, right. who was his enemy, he was like, oh, maybe I can convince these guys that he had something to do with it. We can get rid of my enemy. Right, right, right. Okay, right. got that, got that. Uh, I censored that, though, thinking that it would completely derail all of Stu's preparation. I stole some money from the magistrate and did my best to frame the crime boss for it, and then skedaddled out of town, hoping that the downfall of the crime boss would happen off-screen. Uh, my motivation was not to take too much of the party's time for this personal activity. When playing in a con game, how much should the players respect what they believe to be the GM's prepared story? If the players feel the character provided to him or her would take an action that could cause the game to radically deviate from what the GM has prepared, should they take that risk? We all know that the time that time is limited, so should we as players feel responsible for working to a four hour time limit? Thanks for taking my question. I'll listen to the answer off the air. Bill from Arizona, Ghost Answer on the forum. I generally uh, let me just say I not a lot, but I do sometimes put stuff in to the character's background that is purely flavor. And I think that probably was one of the things. Uh, my guess is I probably put that in there to the point of this character would definitely have a... This would give this character the motivation to say, sure, I'll take that job and get the fuck out of town. Yeah. It's probably as much thought as I put into that, generally speaking. But what do you guys think about uh, I think he's a, a very good player, and I have the same thing. Whenever I go into a con game, I know full well that there's a four-hour time limit. I, I know that there's plot hook, and I usually just grab it tenaciously. When I'm playing in a, a long-running campaign, that's a different thing, because now I have there's character development I'm working on. I'm trying to I'm starting at level one, and I can barely hold my sword, and I'm trying to get better and better. And there's stuff that's happening, so it's a different animal to me. You know, sure. the con game you're being dropped in almost in mid-story. And the, uh, it's, to me, it seems like you're almost 
the plot is already happening, and you're just picking it up where, right there. So you don't really have much of a choice then to pick those threads up. And you could derail it if you want, but that doesn't leave you with much fun, especially if there's only one GM. It's like, I'm going to take the money and leave town. All right, well, uh, hand me your character and see ya. Thanks. Thanks for playing. Have a good time. <laughs> Go down to the bar. We'll see you in four hours. I, that, that I would suck. You're, you're yeah. doing yourself a disservice. I, I tend to be a simian with a bolt tightening tool that I hurl. <laughs> uh, so I, I would... This is probably terrible. If I think there's something my... Yes. Oh, soundboard. So good. Uh, if I think there's something my character would do based on what I'm given with my character that fits with what has been presented to me by the GM... Tough shit, GM. Here we go. Well, but in my and game, you actually rolled dice at one point because you sure. were like, "I'm going to make a choice, sure, whether I stay here with these dogs or I join the rest right. of the party." Right, but that was a, but that, because I because I think that was a very difficult decision. It was for that character at that point, it, right? It was set so, up that way. So I, I, that's what I did. Uh, at at the same at this, but I'll tell you, if the die roll came out different, I would have been like, "Well, see you later, the party," because <laughs> yep. I would have stayed there. Um, the the flip side of that is as a GM. If I've put something into the character or into the story that evolves, and I didn't see it coming, and a character does that, I tend to look at it and go, like, oh, wow, that was crazy cool. All right, tough shit on me. Here we go. How do I fold this in? Right. And I think that's where a lot of great things can happen, even in a four-hour time period, right? The, the onus upon a GM in that regard, then, is to be able to pivot quickly enough with your story or your idea to take into account for the monkey wrench just got thrown. Yeah. Right. And then say, and be willing to go like, you know, I was going to go this direction, but screw it. I'm getting rid of it. I saw Jib do that really well in the, the Norse gods in Victorian times game mm-hmm. that I played at the last con we were at. Cause two of the six of us at the table, there was obviously sitting at a metagamer level. We we're supposed to fight King Arthur. That is what's supposed to happen. Two of the characters were like, King Arthur, I can't believe it. You thought you're a myth. You've been on this planet even longer than we have. You're as old as... This is fascinating. Like, Just went into this whole, like, why would we fight this guy? Yeah. He's kind of one of us. He's a legend. He's right. a guy. And it, right. and it completely pivoted like that, what we, quote-unquote, should have been doing based on what the GM story was. And it ended up in taking us in a very different direction that was really cool, mm-hmm. right? Where now it's these <clears throat> Norse gods siding with Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table to go fight Mordred. <laughs> oh, there Which you was go. not what it was going to be, but that's right. what it became. And it was like that, now it was like double heroic. It was awesome, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do think that's part of it. I mean, the, the four hour time limit is, is there, and is, but I think that's kind of on the GM to run the clock. Yes. More than the more than the players. Now, I guess the the other thing on the flip side I will say about that is, though I though I do like to, for whatever reason, complicate things. Whether I'm a GM or a player, just to see where stories go, you you, you can go overboard, right? And and saying like, I'm going to take this one little thread that I've got, and I'm going to try to weave an entire tapestry out of it, and that'll probably take three of the four hours to resolve the fact that I don't like soup. That's probably not good. You're right. And it makes you the focus of the entire game while five other players sit there and glare at you. But yes. in, the, in the end, everyone sort of questions their, their thoughts on soup. They do. The, 
the thing and the, the thing that kind of concerns me about doing that and, the, and that's one of again I getting back to the only winning four players it's one of the reasons I'm doing this is we all are very careful we try to make characters that all have something to do in the game and will all have their moment to shine and if we go down that rabbit hole of player A decides to do something that takes us completely off the rails and makes all of the prep irrelevant, you then have to not only improvise the adventure, which is fine, but then you also still kind of need to make sure that you can keep all the skill sets of those other player characters relevant the mm-hmm. entire time and and look for moments when you can give them some time to shine. And that becomes a lot more complicated if you're not running on choo-choo tracks. When, well, or when somebody has taken the reins and now it's their story, how do you now work the rest... Maybe that's what you're saying. Now, how do you work the other players into this other guy's story that he's now writing? Well, I mean, it, if someone is taking the reins and saying, I'm going to have the spotlight the whole time, that I don't have any problem fixing that. And that's not that hard to fix. You can throw stuff in. In fact, I would I would use that as an opportunity to throw in complications that will force the other player characters to get involved. You know, maybe I'm going to put a an enemy. Maybe there's an enemy on someone's character sheet who is purely background, like the crime lord in this guy's game. Maybe he's going to have to show up now. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone else had taken the game off the tracks. Oh, and this crime boss happens to show up. Now, well, we've got two of things that are happening uh, to two different player characters. But I, but I'm, but it starts getting really complicated because I mean, I'm sure when you do game prep, you sit down with the skill lists of the characters you have oh, yeah. and make sure in this scene this skill could get used or this skill, and I make sure that in every every opportunity, there's an opportunity for every character at some point to. To, to be able to decide things or save the day at that moment. And when you really take that story off the rails, all that prep's gone. Yep. I mean, you might be able to repurpose some of it, but some of it you can't. No. Nope. So I, I, it's interesting, because um, I didn't know you were going to do that, to, to have four be your yeah. cap on your games. Yeah. It seems like six tends to be where most people sit, and I'm wondering if that's an artificial construct of the con system that says if you get X number of exactly hours, it is. then you get a free pass. People go like, oh, what's the minimum number of games I can run for the maximum? Realize, well, if I have six people in, then it's two games, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. Right? That's exactly why. And that whole thing goes down. So it, I think it's it's pretty interesting to say I'm going to purposely run fewer people, right, because I want their story to be better. I want their game to be better. It's a it, it's an artifact of the combat. It's also a matter of trying to get as many people in to play the game as possible and, and rotate them up. Because if you run a game with two or three people, unless you and you only run it once, you're leaving out a lot of potential people, a lot of potential players that you might want to meet. It, I mean, I think you're doing a lot of people a disservice if you make it too small because now and only run it once because now you're not going to be able to meet anybody you know isn't that kind of why you do a con is to go on that's not, there's a bar to meet people that's true <laughs> store hates that but, bar there because only opens at like 6 p.m it, it pisses me off yeah but but you're not you don't know how good they are at a, as playing or just gms until you that's true in a game with them that's true right i mean the thing I, that, the thing my, my my thought is i think i can give four players a much better experience than i can give six players I agree. I think that's absolutely possible. How and if you and you're going to run the games more than once, right? No, I'm running two games. Okay. So you're not you're not changing the games you're running. You're just changing how many people are there, and you yep. don't care if you have to pay to get in. I don't care. Right. 
Well, probably the show probably counts against my number of player hours. Sure. I mean, but I guess if the, I have to pay, I have to pay whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's but if way. I ran a third game, sure, that'd be fine. Right? Th- then I would hit that number, right? I, I think it's. I think the thing I, I find interesting about it is it is that is the balance, right? I, I always feel like, well, if I run something and people like to play in my games, I want to get as many people to play in my games. Sure. But at the same time, you know, what's the right number for that? And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I'm I'm starting a Savage Worlds game uh, every other Tuesday night at my work, and I said it's going to be four people, yep. and that's it, because I want, you know, for two reasons. One, I want to make sure. I have the best opportunity for everybody to show up all the time. <coughs> and two, I want to make sure that it's meaningful to all of them as we go through it. And even if we want to follow one character's storyline for a couple, three sessions even, it's not like, uh, five other people are sitting around going like, uh, oh, okay. Right. Know you know, they can, they can be really involved in that. <coughs> uh, so... I don't know. That's pretty interesting. The uh, longest running campaign I ever played in was a D and D campaign, and it was three or four people. We had a, people that would come in and go, but for the most part, it was the three solid people with a fourth that would sort of come in every now and again. Mm-hmm. So that seems like the pocket for me. You know, that's and and everybody had a great chance to do everything mm-hmm. they wanted. Oh yeah, you know, if if I, we were playing a long running campaign with six people, I think I would have been bored most of the time. You know, you're absolutely somebody else is going off and following the the medallion. Their father, they're following that clue, and you're like, run, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then combat. By the time it comes around to your turn, the thing's dead. <laughs> so you're you're like, well, this isn't much fun. So I could, I, I, I completely get the whole smaller party quality of play. All right, all right. I'll read uh, Josh Dinobody. Well, before we go into that, oh. uh, just a, a, a brief comment on emails. Very common comment so far in the in the listener survey is please don't feel the need to read all of the emails that's, like, that's like every comment. single one that gets sent in that's a comment to me and and i had i because <laughs> for a minute i thought you meant don't read all these like all hi there student company great thanks josh all right so the next like <laughs> no don't complete not, the email no you, you mean all the, the ones email. That are, okay but not but don't read all of them and and i we have unfortunately needed to stop that so we don't read all of the emails. And I will tell you that one of the things I look at when I'm going through emails now is length. Because it takes time to edit emails. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of set a bar for people to get their email on the podcast. That's kind of what I want to talk like, about. So That's kind of what I want to talk well, about. Well, then you should do that as opposed to me interrupting you. No, no. No, that's fine. But the, I mean... I mean a, a lot of people will send us their gaming pedigree. And if that's relevant to the question you're asking or the comment you're making, that's great. But if it's not, I have to, we'll, we'll probably have, are going to need to start cutting them out because literally, I mean, I, I'm starting to get them cleaned up now. But I haven't, I haven't given. This is the first time I've given the email ad- address out since April, mm-hmm. maybe, on a weekly show because there has been so much email. And just today, we got like four emails. Um. So, like, you're, you're, the gaming pedigree, you got to cut it out. I mean, unless it's relevant to what you're going to ask us, um, and sometimes it is. Uh, and if if you have a question, I mean, give us as much relevant information as you can about the question, um, but try to edit edit it down to the point where it is just the relevant information on the question. Um. 
I mean, I'm getting emails where, where the way we print them out at 11-point type, they're like three or four pages long. And a three or four page email, I would have to go through and read the entire email. I mean, one of the reasons we do this show and we don't edit this show is because I don't have time to, to do all of that stuff. So if you have an email and it's three or four pages long, my inclination at this point now is it, rather than read through the entire email and decide for myself what is the pertinent information and what is not, because that takes time. It takes time to edit. Rather than do that, what I've been doing the last two month and a half, maybe six weeks, I put them in a in a document that is called emails that will require extensive editing, and that 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 document has grown, and I have not gone in there to. <laughs> oh, I guess you don't do anything with that document. It's like well, that, I have this round bin in the corner, no. in which I push put it, things. It didn't start as that. It, it started with the intention of when I have time on a weekend or something when there's nothing going on, I can open this thing up, I can get into it, and I can start going through and editing these emails and integrate them back into the thing. Because in most cases, a lot of those emails can be taken down to a couple paragraphs. Now, let me get this straight. Because of the survey that's come out, some of those questions, they're already complaining about the length of emails as well? The length of emails and the fact that we read all... we I, I try to read all of them. Because there are emails that come out. And I'm very torn on some of this stuff because I'm getting a lot of conflicting things on, on the, on the, in the comments. But sometimes it's just a comment or it's just a little story. And horror stories are a separate thing. Horror stories are kind of yeah. a separate thing, but that that there too, they're they're they've had their problems, but that's kind of been fixed. We've talked about that in the past. But um, you know, a, a gaming story, if it has a point, or if it has if it if it illustrates something, a a lesson that was learned, great. I l- love that kind of shit. Uh, a, uh, if you're calling with it or call, emailing with advice, like you're having a problem, you're running a game and you need s- suggestions or, or possible f- solutions for something, great. I mean, that's why we're here. That's that's the bread and butter of what we want to do. Um, I'm real torn on the emails that that are that have nothing to do with anything but beer. Right. Yeah, I love beer. That's where we live. Well, I, I I love beer, but right now I'm on a diet and I'm drinking Michelob Ultra. Those emails hurt my soul. <laughs> <laughs> now that's my own selfish thing, but there was a time when there was a lot of complaints about oh these emails that you go on and on about beers and blah 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 blah. And this is not a podcast about beer. This is a podcast that includes beer, certainly. And should be enjoyed with beer. And should be absolutely be enjoyed with it's beer. better but understood we're, with it. We're like the salty checks mix yes, on a podcast. exactly. We're the bar snacks of... Beer nuts. Yeah. What? <laughs> Hello. Don't you remember beer nuts? Absolutely. Love them. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> but all I can say is try to show some restraint. When you send the emails, because when they get super, 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 super long, uh, it's it's kind of starting to kill me. What's that quote from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that Steve Martin has? Those like, aren't pillows. No, not that no. one. He's like, here's a here's a thought. What, whatever you tell a story, make sure it has a point, because it makes it so much more interesting for the listener <laughs> when there's a point at the end of a long story. Right. I, I'm I'm paraphrasing it, but it's uh, I, you know, I think that it is. A completely reasonable request for all involved to 
if you write an email, take another pass through it. Yeah. Is there something you could do to tighten it up, to make it a little bit shorter, to uh, make it more direct to the point? You know, brevity is the soul of wit. Please, yeah. you know, uh, it, you, you don't need to be George R. R. Martin when you write us, you know, a 947-page email. I'm sure that, you know, and I'm not trying to say anything negative to people that are sending emails. It's God, I hope not, because we'll be dead at the end. I know. It's, oh, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> will it kill us all off? I'll die. <laughs> well, but, I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, to a good degree some of the lifeblood of the podcast. But at the same time, we'll get to more emails and get to emails in a more timely fashion yes. if there's not having to go through, wade through, in, you know, not even incredibly long, long emails, but just long emails, mm-hmm. right? And I think it was, I remember there was one a, a few months ago that you read and you said, you know, you could have just said it like this. And it was like three sentences. Right. Right. Now, again, you have education and training in that to, to help you be, you know, I have practical things. experience working as an editor a long time ago. But yes. I do have, yeah. But at the same time, don't, don't be so in love with your own work. <laughs> you can't edit it down a bit, folks. You ever, you ever written, a, for ever written a note hammered and almost hit send? Like I better, I better sober up and go through this again before I hit send because no, I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Google have something like that? Oh, there is. It's actually for, for Gmail. For, they, There's a plugin or something for Gmail. Yeah, where if you sent it after a certain time, you could set it. You could set the clock on it. it right. Would, after a certain time, it would ask you a basic math question. Definitely answered it. Assumed you were drunk and wouldn't send it. Right. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Something like that. You done? Uh, well, yeah. Basically, my ideal for listener emails would be able to read the emails from because we get a lot of responses to stuff, and and that's fine. I want people to chime, chime in. I want to have a conversation. But my God, uh, that uh, we're still reading emails from the the player agency versus social mechanics thing and they, they keep and and they're we're not even through i mean i'm basically going to kind of put those and put I've, them away i have a radical suggestion sounds like you're about to do that from this podcast forward you've just got to say we got some fantastic emails those are great those are going into the catalog of wonderful conversations that never happened <laughs> and right. moving forward cuz part of this is we want to be we want to be you know, topical, and we want to be yes. timely, right? And I, I, it's so odd when either I'm on the podcast or I listen to the podcast, they'll be, so, in uh, Season 11, Episode 7, and you're like, holy crap, like, it was this, re- no, it's just, this, this is as soon as we got to it, you know, and we've, and, and having to say, look, if it's really time urgent, make sure you put urgent on it, and part of that is because, you know, because if I just do it in the amount of time when emails come in, uh, it might be four months before I get to your email. Right. right, and that's I think that's the downside of it. So it would be awesome if I could do the show, and and I mean I'm very nervous if we start a week and then there are no emails because early on obviously that happened a lot. Yeah, but I, it would be awesome if like within an, a, a couple weeks that topic's gotten wrapped up. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. I think we should have a second podcast called "Beating a Dead Horse," and we'll just read all those things over and over and over again. Maybe we can get the community to back us up on it. Maybe DT Pines could do a podcast. Maybe there's called a Beating Gmail a dead plugin horse. that has like a voice <laughs> synthesis and it just reads the emails to you, like for oh. deaf people or for blind, deaf, blind for people. Deaf people. That's wow. my favorite one. The, 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 those emails. I love those. But and then we can just record it and. <laughs> so no, so if you, if, you, if you have sent an email in the past. 
like a few months ago and you never heard it, just acknowledge the fact that you're never going to hear it and write a new one. Well, I mean, there's about still something something great. There's still like two, I think two or three more episodes that I've already got the emails all set up in. So okay. people are going to they're going to that, that's fine. I'm just I'm trying to like but at some yes. point you got to like you just got to you can't do it. You got to stop. You yes. got to just well, and the, you can't the, support the old fact software, is, you know. Slow it, not giving out the email address has done a great sure. job in slowing down the amount of emails, right. which has allowed me now to get very close to catching up. But someone pointed out in the in the survey on the on the survey, it's ridiculous that you haven't given the email address out in like four months, considering the fact that you guys get probably probably during that time we probably got four or five hundred new listeners who may not even know that we what the email address is. Right. So if if you're a new listener and, and you've never emailed, you should put new listener in the subject line too. Hey, and so we there you try go. to That's rotate a good idea. some new email. People. That's like the Disney Fast Pass, urgent and or new listener. Or new listener. Right. And then those will be taught. But don't abuse that. Do you have a cane or a wheelchair? Bam, front of the line. Right. Bieber. There you go. <laughs> Or the Beebs. So, this is from Josh D. Nobody. All right. Hi there, Stew and Company. Recently on the show, I heard one of my least favorite nerdisms repeated a few times. People have been corrected by <laughs> Thacko should be Thack Zero. But why must it be pronounced Thack Zero instead of Thack O? Zeros are frequently said as O. Is the name the show <laughs> 90210 pronounced 90210? Or. Should it even be read 9,210? <laughs> Must D&D 3.0 be pronounced D&D 3.0? In fact, in Season 12, Episode 9, which I just listened to, Gina was interrupted and corrected on Thacko, and then a D&D 3.0 from someone else let it slide mere seconds later. I declare this behavior to be elitist gatekeeping. Devoutly yours, Josh D. Nobody in the forums because... Uh, why in the world would I hang out on a forum? Forums are so Y2K. Start a G plus group. Okay, I, I I will t- I will tell you why this happened because I remember why this happened. I'm actually shocked that I remember this. We called it early on Faco. We did, and someone corrected the fact that we were pronouncing it Faco because if there's one thing role playing game gamers are really good at it is fucking correcting each other. <laughs> when, when they don't have the actual answer, they just like to correct you on your grammar. So, so I said, no, I think it would be Faco, because there's the A, and there, and after the C, there's another vowel. Ah, because remember, I never played 2.0, right? right. So, and you went to school for this stuff, and and so I'm thinking that's Faco, like it's a letter a vowel, O, not the, the number zero. Le- and they said, no, no, it's a zero. To hit AC zero, right? Right. So it's Thacko, and I'm saying, okay, well, if we're going to be douchebags and sit here and and correct each other, it really should be Thack zero. Yeah, that's how that came up. Yeah, I I've always called it Thack nil, <laughs> and and you know that's why I'm looking forward to D and D five five nil. Five nil, yeah, five point and in Britain it's Thack Z, but but that or but that's yeah. that Z though, yeah, yeah. Z, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. 
All right, that's why nine nil two one nil. So I and people are saying in here like like well they read my email it must have been good. It doesn't have to do with good. It really doesn't have to do with whether the email is good or engaging. It has to do with whether I have the time to read it and evaluate whether it's something I can edit or not. That's where it, what it's coming down to. Right. If it's a four-page email, but you still have to read it to make sure that it's not rehashing stuff again. Is it's it, like, oh, this is again. It, is, it four, is it three pages of setup and one page of question and comments, or... That's, or or that's is it four pages of to, stuff that we've already you, talked about? One must read through something at least once or twice in order to be able to properly edit it. Absolutely. Period. So th- there's that. But it has nothing to do with the quality of what people are writing in, and it has to do with the brevity. Well, yes. And, and you know, if it's topic, it's like, you don't want to read all the emails because it's like, well, this email says the same thing the last two emails did. Right. I'm not going to... There's no well, reason I mean, to include and, and it. One of the reasons I, I, I have brought in the emails about the player agency thing is because there are people who are bringing up different approaches at the problem, which I, I think has a lot of value. That's so the point. Yes. Anyway, email from Kay. Email from Kay. Greetings, douchebags. First, let me get the obligatory praise and thanks out of the way. I have been listening for a few years and have become a better GM for it. So, thanks. You guys are the best. I find my own opinions of what makes a good game and GM align with your own. Okay, so I have two players that hate each other. However, both of them are my nephews. One from my (laughs) sister, the other from my sister-in-law. They do have some modicum of tact because they at least try to play nice but it always boils down to a power struggle between the two, and they think that they are being suave by trying to veil their insults in innuendo and actions during play. The rest of the group is aware of the rivalry, and the game is dying because of it. Mm. Normally, I could just tell them to quit their nonsense or GTFO, but there are larger political ramifications at stake. I could catch holy political family hell if I kicked either of them out or gamed without them. From what I can gather, the hatred stems from the I'm better than you attitude, constantly trying to munchkin better characters than the other, and trying to garnish the most praises from me. I'm at the end of my rope with these two. Advice? Before we begin, uh, Ornamancer on the forum says it should be pronounced Thack Ought. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right. What does he do? I That's really hard. That well, well it, it sounds like he's dealing with kids, first of all. Yes. So, a, a firm hand helps a lot, and rules, laying down rules, helps a lot. Uh, you're not, if you're GMing adults and they're behaving this way, well, talk to them like adults. Yeah. And it's kind of a sticky situation when you're dealing with someone else's kids. Yeah. Because there, I mean, if there are, there, I mean... You and I, we, our, kids, our, yes. our kids have play dates. Yes. And if you need to correct my kids, yep. you correct my kids. If I need to correct your kids when they're over I here. I hope you would. I'd, correct, I'd say, Danny, stop it. Cut right? it out. Or you're going exactly. home. So, I, and, and we're fine with that. But there are parents out there. That oh, are. yeah. <laughs> if, I've and raised we, my voice at other people's kids, and they get mad at me. The parent comes at, at me, and I'm like, but your kid was lighting another kid on fire. Well, he's just. It, there's you. I'm the parent. I'll I'll address it. But you weren't here, and right. you weren't addressing it. So I did. So and, and people, there are people who get very touchy by that. So you're kind of blocking on a minefield, and he yeah. and he and he kind of need to know what they're how they're going to react to it. And if you don't have kids, also people tend to 
to kind of discount your opinion a little unfairly about dealing with other and the opposite happens too if you don't have kids you don't feel like you're qualified to discipline somebody else's kid you don't know the rules and you don't want to but it, i i would and and, assu- and assuming we are talking about children here we're not talking about adults i would go to the moms i would go over their heads and say hey playing the game and they're having f- we were having fun but they're they, they're fighting the two of them are fighting and get sister and sister-in-law together and yeah. say can is, can you help that's a good start i would us. also say i, I would say be, that's what i would do before we start this game it's obvious that the two of you are in competition with each other and hate each other and the entire party knows it you guys need to shape up and stop it Oh, see, I'd go. To the, I'd go to the moms first. I I agree, uh, but I well, I'd do I do both. I would go to the moms first, <laughs> only because of the, the the possible ramification of the touchy parent saying, well, "Why yeah. are you correcting my kid?" Yeah, right. my, my, my kid's my kid. right. You're, the other kid's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There might be m- even more of a minefield there. That's I, who knows. Yeah. Now, you could manage them out. How so? Meaning, you could make the game less interesting for them. Where maybe they're like, oh, I have to play a different kind of character, or maybe I don't really want to be playing this thing. If if you really, if there's really this political family minefield where you can't discipline them or you can't, you know, treat them like you would treat other players, right? Well, maybe you make it less interesting for them to be make there. a whole court intrigue game where they don't get to hit anything for weeks on end. Sure, right? You know, another thing, and again, this depends on the kids. Uh, again, assuming their kids is to do some kind of dream sequence where everybody gets to play everyone else's characters. Mm-hmm. So what ends up, there's no long-term actual effect on the character, right? And let the other people that watch them play their characters and then get to, like, take what they do to an extreme. Uh, lampoon them. Like, lampoon right. them, and maybe that, you know, if there's any level of self-awareness in the kids, they'll say, oh, like wow. Like public, public shaming? Yeah, so yeah, kind yeah. of kind of in that way. Uh, the other thing, of course, would be to take what they're doing and actually have there be severe consequence on the characters. So discipline the characters, not the kids. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, like, oh, well, they do this, and we much each other. It's like, yep, you were arguing in the courtroom of the king over this thing, so now you're in the prison. Right. What? what? <laughs> yep, sorry, that doesn't play here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, twin suggests wandering damage. Wandering damage! <laughs> wandering damage! <laughs> Always a bonus. Uh, now, on to the epic death story. I just listened to the episode discussing this topic, <clears throat> so I wanted to share. Uh, they have a player that's leaving during character creation... He said they, they have player, a player. They player that is leaving. The player that is leaving. Oh, maybe? the player that is leaving. Or there is a player that is something. Leaving. In any case, during character creation, asked me to allow his level one thief something unique. He wanted to, during an amazingly lucky total fluke heist, make away with something useless but famous. I told him that on a dare, he had stolen a pair of pants from the holy priest of the known world, Vulgaris. He's the main. I bad love the guy. fact that the priest is named Vulgaris. <laughs> uh, he loved the pantsless tell- holy one. Yeah. Pantsless holy one. Uh, he loved telling NPCs that he was the one that made off with the pants. No <laughs> one believed him as he was a genuinely bad thief being level one. The party later found themselves in the same city as the big bad guy's daughter. She had been gone for some time on a crusade and was being welcomed back, being printed through the city. 
When the thief heard of this, he lit up with evil glee. He asked the half-orc barbarian to follow him, much to the confusion of the party. Coming out from an alley, Wild West style, he and the orc stood several yards in front of the parade. The daughter called the parade to a stop and asked what praise the little one was about to give to her. The thief whispers into the orc's ear, and the orc smiles just as wickedly as the little one. Then the orc tells me, I throw the halfling at her. <laughs> the rest of the table responds with a resounding unified, What? <laughs> the orc rolls to hit and scores a crit. But I dictate the dragon scale clad knight in front of the daughter gets an attack of opportunity. He rolls and gets a crit. My group uses a home-brewed good hits, bad misses chart. The knight rolls his percentiles and gets 99. Insta-kill. So as the halfling is flying towards the daughter, he gets cut from shoulder to crotch, making half of him fly into the priest standing next to her. <laughs> then, just as the thief is about to hit, he asks if he can make an attack. I allow it. He rolls a crit. Well, I want these dice. Ah. He then rolls a 99 on the chart. Insta-kill. The remaining half the one with his head, smashes into the daughter and stabs her in the heart with his knife, hitting up his sleeve. Then, when the group quiets down, the thief says, I slowly lift my head, look her in the eyes, and say, I stole Vargaris's pants. <laughs> the whole group erupted in laughter that lasted for a long while. <coughs> all in all, an epic death and an epic ending to an epic session. Thanks for all your hard work. Don't stop. K. P.S. I assume and hope you already were, but just to make sure, drink, douchebags, drink! That's a great story. That's freaking hysterical. Man. I throw the halfling at him. And three crits. <laughs> three three back-to-back -back crits. That's yep. crazy. Bravo. Oh, here's an email that speaks directly to, to your question here, Stu. You, I'll, I'll read it for you. <clears throat> email from Mycroft. <clears throat> I apologize for the length of this email. Mycroft from Michigan PS Drink. Cool. Let's do one. <laughs> there you go. I, it made me laugh. That <laughs> is. It's great. Well, it's... <laughs> unless he, like, accidentally hit, like, con, uh, like control A, <laughs> and and that... and But just missed, like, the... And then delete, the yeah, everything. <laughs> yep. that's, all, that's literally all I got. An amazing missend. That oh. could have been... <laughs> He might have been the one that uh, that's been that that filled out the survey. Say that emails are getting too long. So <laughs> this was his way of just demonstrating it. Not just one person said that. Okay. <clears throat> and look, and look, and he got on, and he got on the show. Email from Simon. Dear Happy Jackoffs, hi. I have only been listening to your show since March of 2014. I think it is fucking brilliant. First, my background. Then an RPG horror story, and finally your opinions on a situation that arose in my game last year. This is a bit long, so feel free to drink as you feel the need to refresh. Is this this is actually not that it's long. It's not that long. He, but, the, but he thinks this he is He thinks really long. this is long. This is a page. Whoa! Bless you. I've been saving that one since March of yeah. 2014. I was born in England in 1970. Is that old yeller? What was I'm it? I'm just putting some background <laughs> music in. Lassie, come on! <laughs> I started game. I started games with uh, pick your own adventure books in 1981, <laughs> age 11. In '83, I discovered D and D Basic. Uh, I got a. Uh, I got off a friend in exchange for a bag of licorice, all sorts. Mm. It's British, you know. 
L-O-L. I don't know what that means. Also, it's, it's, I'm sure it's a... It's L-O-T-L. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting for that the entire time. <laughs> and I started GMing when I was 16. Good on you. Uh, as someone who was diagnosed with dyslexia at an early age that's, back... That's Lysdexia, by the way. Back in the time when it was uh, not... Now, as well understood as it is, not as well as it was understood these days, I have found role playing to be a great way for escapism. <clears throat> My favorite RPG RPGs are uh, Riddle of Steel, Blood of Heroes, Harp, High Adventure Role Playing, Star Wars Edge of Empire, Top Secret, The Horror Story. In the early 90s, I joined a group of players at a local college. One DM was running Marvel Superheroes, the old Pace Rip system uh our party uh a ragtag bunch of highly variable power levels my character i called copperhead he could turn to copper and generate electricity anyhow a new player a 17 year old girl had joined the group she was into comics and wanted to play a superhero the dm had set set us up and made us look responsible for for a robbery of a local bank and the Fantastic Four had dropped in and wanted to bring us to justice. I faced off against Mr. Fantastic and I tried to talk to him and convince him that we'd been set up. The young lady was faced off against Sue Storm. The DM used the Invisible Woman's force field powers to create a force penis. What? What? This is those kind of horror stories. Uh. (laughs) I know. And proceeded to her, yeah, and then to the young lady's character. Yeah, as he announced his actions, the rest of the players fell silent for a moment until the young lady put down her pencil, stood up, and walked away from the table, never to game again. Would be my guess. That's your editorial, but yes, yes. Uh, the game came to a full stop with the DM not knowing he had done anything wrong. Myself and two other players said stuff this and went to the pub instead. Stuff this. Good on you. Um, the week after, I started playing basic D anD D, but was uh, but the young lady never returned. Not a surprise. Nope. The situation whilst running a Pathfinder oh, this game. Is, so this is the third thing, right? Yes. So I, I want to comment on that. Briefly, yes. Because there's actually a great article that I think was actually I got from the Facebook group um, about how women are treated in gaming and role-playing games specifically. And as one, everybody at that table should have stood up and at the very least walked away, if not just smacked that fucker. Yeah. Like, and and it is well, I mean, amazing to, to me... To defend them, I think most of them probably fell silent out of shock. No, I agree. I agree. It sounds like they were all... what, And it sounds like someone got up and left. Which is, yeah. But, but that kind of thing and i i wish that we could say that that was the one half of one percent aberrant behavior that can occur but you you hear about it in not always in such graphic extreme yeah but just the level of prevalence that there actually still is around not being able to sit around and all game together just as people who like games. Right. Right? Where 
guys are making women uncomfortable, even either in how they're acting towards them or how their character is acting towards mm-hmm. their character, and that kind of stuff. If you see it happen at a table, you have to call it out. Just like if you were in public someplace and you saw somebody doing that, you just should not stand by. Right. Right. The stakes are actually probably a hell of a lot lower with a bunch of geeks sitting around a table than some big muscle-bound idiot at a bar. Oh, sure. Right? Absolutely. But regardless, that it is just, it makes me nuts. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I was like, "Oh, this is going to be an interesting story." And as soon as we turned the page, I was like, "Oh God, really? The, yeah, really? You know?" And and you almost you could say, "Well, this was back in the '80s, or this has been." No, it still happens. Doesn't matter. Still no, happens, excuse. and it should be, it should be upon uh, all of us to never let that happen. And if you see it happen, crush it. Stamp yeah, it out. I mean, I, I mean. If a if a player, I mean, there, Gina had talked about she was at a uh, game con up north, and something along these lines started happening. It was a player character, and if you're the GM in that game, and a player character starts doing that, you need to stop the game. You need to break character. And you need to say to the guy, "That's not allowed at this table." If you have a problem with that, there's the fucking door. Mm-hmm. Period. And I mean, it, and if the GM does that, everyone at the fucking table needs to get up and say, "Because I, I mean, if it's the GM, that's a lost cause." Yep, that's just you. You're not gonna. You're gonna have a, a lame game. Stand up, and everyone just fucking walk away. And that's what needs to start happening. Sounds mm-hmm. like that's mostly what happened. She left, and these other two it went did. fuck you or stuff you. They said and went off to the pub. So leaving two people there to probably do the same thing. They're like, everyone left because you're a jerk. So they weren't around to find out what happened, but they did the right thing. Absolutely. And and the thing is, you had someone who probably would have, may have gone, started a a career in role-playing that could have been awesome and could have been someone who went on to... I would have chased after that woman and talked her down and taken her to the pub and wined and diner and... Had a girlfriend because that's never happened when you're a role player. <laughs> wow, like that's also not part of the problem. Yeah, where to go? That was good. Yeah. You got part way into that and you realized that oh, wait, that's just yeah, as it's just as bad, isn't it? I know it was really weird in GM. Yeah, when why I was he doing stuff, that? So you should go to the pub with yeah, me and I can look at you. <laughs> no, no, not that either. Probably not. Yeah, that you're right. I never would have going out going after the person and saying like, I am. I need to apologize for that person as a human. I am so sorry. That is not what gamers are yeah. like. Yep. That I'm down with that. And it got a little weird. It did. It did. <laughs> especially because especially in the 80s, it was terrible. Pimply face, bad hair. You know, I'm not going to be able to, like, get a, land a woman. Especially, I couldn't go to a pub either. Ah, Britain. If I was flying a woman, I wouldn't have been able to land her in the 80s. Yeah. Now, uh, let's see, where were we? Uh, yeah, the th- situation. Th- this, this, is, this is someone who, like, disagreed with paragraphs, I think. Uh, uh, the situation whilst running a Pathfinder game for my Tuesday night group... One player's one player, let's call him player A, uh, started complaining about another player, let's call him player B, uh, saying that I was pandering to player B while ignoring player A. Player A was a Hawkman Ranger level two. We use advanced <laughs> race guide for his race. I don't, I don't know what those words mean. Um, <laughs> player B was an anti paladin. <sighs> It's <laughs> yeah. your first problem. You got a Hawkman Ranger and anti paladin. Yep. <laughs> He's just a paladin for an evil god. 
No. He's not, he's not like a fucking atheist fighter. Wouldn't that be an anti-paladin? <laughs> what is an anti-paladin? It's a not-paladin. Maybe uh, he's, a, he's, he's a holy person who's sworn to work against a god? I don't know. Anyway. And is it anti-paladin or anti-paladin? It's Ant-Ot-Paladin. <laughs> um, it's Ant-One-Paladin. Uh, we changed his alignment to Lawful Evil so it was he was more playable. Now, Player B has a drama background, and his Anti-Paladin has a high charisma and was a keen role player. Player A, despite professing a vast knowledge and experience in games, it was uh, part partly obvious... Par- that's parody, but I don't think that's the word. Partly obvious, uh, he was limited in his experience. Even when I tried to give Player A some plot hooks, he just ignored them and just sat at the table dicking about on his phone. Always good. Yeah. Player A is the one that's complaining, right? Player A is complaining that he's player not B getting enough... Pandering to, that, he's, right? that the GM is pandering to Player B. I have no sympathy for player X, player on the fucking phone. Uh, the final straw was when player A's girlfriend, let's call her player C. Oh, come on now. That's too coincidental. Let's call her player D. We'll skip C. <laughs> just, now we're all being really C, sensitive. C's, C's right out. <laughs> right out. Um, I thought it was for cute. She's player cute. Okay, we'll, it's stay, player, we'll stick with it's player, player C. Asshole. Player bravado, because he was a thespian. And player cute. No, but player B is the anti paladin. It's oh. player butthole. Player butthole. All right. <laughs> which is which is not as bad as asshole. Let's call her player C. Approached uh, in the local pub and said hi. And before I could respond, she started telling me that I had to kill off player B's <laughs> character, and she wanted to do it. So the long and the short of it, I merged my Tuesday and Wednesdays groups into one, and player A and by extension player C are now missing out. I have seen other games that player A has played with in other groups, and he, and if he isn't the most powerful slash important character, he starts to pick fault with other players and the GMs. It is my belief that he is a meta-dick gamer. <laughs> I like that. Meta-dick gamer. Okay. My new favorite term. So did I do it right? Could I have dealt with it in a different way? I think other uh, DMs might, may have, or will come across a player such as this. Uh, so any advice, criticism is welcome. P.S. After hearing the song at the end of your show and really enjoying them, uh, there is a local comedy folk band called the Bar Steward Sons of Val Dunican. That's what it looks like. I like I'll, that. Pu- I'll put that link in the show notes. PPS, PSPS. If you find yourself in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, England, on a Monday night, come along to the Wakefield Warriors War Game. We play. Uh, uh, we're playing at a local pub, and I will get the first round in. Well, thank you. If there's beer, we'll fly there. I I think the. People talk very bravely about confronting other people about their playing styles and getting rid of them. And I think, I wonder if it's necessarily a good thing, just as being a human, to go down and dress someone down if you don't like the way that they play. And I I do think it is 
a kinder and less dramatic thing to simply reschedule things in such a way that they're not there anymore. I've done that in the past. To me, it not de- not unoften. <laughs> to to me, it depends on if you if you want to maintain a relationship, gaming or personal, whatever, with that person. Yes. If you're just like, I've had it, I don't want them around, you probably also don't want to go through the drama involved, where if you know, eh, I merged my Tuesday and Wednesday night groups. Oh, you guys came in on Wednesday, I'm really sorry, my, I've got changes in my schedule, it's the only day I can do it. Yeah. And then you know that they can't make it, and problem resolved. Mm-hmm. Because you don't really care if you see them again. And in fact, you probably would rather not. Right. right. To me... Going through the conversation to sit with somebody and say, look, there's a there's an issue here. We need to talk through it and work through it. Is because I, I do want to maintain them in my group or as my friend. Right. Right. And if that's the case, then I, I believe you have to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because the worst the worst conversation is the missing conversation. If you never have it, it will never get better and it'll only get worse until there's a lot of resentment. And that will bleed over into everything. Right. So if this was happening and they were good friends of mine or someone who I, I wanted in my group, but there was something there, then you have to sit down with them. And you could do it away from everybody else. You could go to the pub or a pint. Or if you, you think know. that this is this is someone who maybe has a lot of good points gaming-wise and one bad point, and you want to keep them around in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you have to have that conversation. But there are people that you look at it and, like, the way this guy plays is very incompatible with the way I like to play. It's much easier to just figure out a way to basically kindly exclude them. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to be the asshole who's like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you all the reasons why I don't want to play with you. And then I'm going to exclude you from the group. I'm not going to... It's not even we're having a conversation to try to fix the situation. I'm kicking you out of the group, and then I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, I think what, this guy I mean, showed, what, showed remarkable restraint. Because if you were playing in a game with this douchebag, and suddenly his girlfriend shows up at the door and said, Hi, I want you need to kill off this other player, and I want to do it. You're like, where the hell did you come from? You called your girlfriend in to come in here and back you up, you you douchebag? You called your girlfriend in, she's going to come and kill this player because you're too fucking... What? And you would explode across the table. It would just get ugly, and then nobody would want to play in the game. Do you think she was already playing? Or do you think I'm she was I'm assuming like, she was already playing. I want to join your campaign. What I'm so reading here is the final straw was when player A's girlfriend, let's call her player C, approached, me, approached him at the local pub and said, Hi. Before I could respond, she started telling me that uh, that I had to kill off player B's character, and she wanted See, to do I it. I think she just showed up at the pub. He's sitting there enjoying a pint, and she just shows up. I think she isn't a player in the game, and she says, "Oh, hey, how's it going? I'm just I'm going to have a drink. Oh, okay, thanks." Uh, by the way, uh, I, we got to kill off player B. Yeah. What? Don't Claw? you tell? Don't you tell me how to run my game? Right. Well, I yeah. If I was in that situation, it would, I, I, I would I, I would be immediately be thinking, okay, how do I cut my losses here? How do I sure. keep player B, if player B is good, and get rid of A and C? And 
It sounds like he found a very elegant solution. And I, I don't, totally and I don't, did. That's I what don't I'm wanna, saying. And he don't want to get in the fight. That's what I'm saying. I, I give him huge props for that. I thought it's, I think it's the best solution for that problem because I mean I could easily see myself exploding across the table. Like what? <laughs> Tell me how to run my game. And, and, and I mean I've talked to, I've talked about the fact that I've gotten old enough now where I don't like putting up with a lot of shit. I also am old enough now where I, I, I realize the wisdom of not starting a lot of shit. Yeah. And it just brings it brings no good. And, and, and the fact is, it's really... It, what, what is the point of saying stuff... If you're not trying to save the relationship, if you're not trying to keep the person in the group but fix the situation, if you just want them out... Why even let them know? I mean, yeah. I, I suppose there is a certain kindness to saying to someone, look, this is beyond repair and I'm kicking you out. Do you want to know why? Yeah. I'll tell you if you want to know. I mean, I suppose you could have that conversation. You could couch it that way. I yeah. Suppose. The vast majority of people in that situation don't want to know why. They don't want to know. They don't no. want to know. No. It, I mean, they it, would rather live thinking that it's your fault, that, that you're we, wrong, we, you kicked me out of the we, group. We have a survey. There's 127 <laughs> criticisms of our show. That is not easy stuff to read. Some of it is not easy to read. I'm reading it because I want the show to improve. Yeah. And, and some of it. I, the I difference mean, is you've asked for it. I, yeah, absolutely, right. I asked if, for if it, yes. the, If player A and player C said, hey, we'd like to be better players, can you critique our playing style and our interaction with the group? What a fucking dream that would, would that be. That would be different, right? <laughs> right? But uh, that never happens. That would, be, I mean, that would be like if you were at, at a con in the bar that didn't open till 4 p.m. <laughs> and you and somebody walked up like oh hey Stu uh, my name's Squimpy Wigjigs on the forum I love and you're like oh hey how's it going so this fucking jib guy and you're like what are you talking about you gotta get him off the pot or you should have me on the podcast to talk over him and get him off the show and you'd be like what the hell are, what are you talking about Right, and you'd say, like, "Oh, we're moving the podcast to AM radio, and it doesn't happen in your area, so you probably can't listen anymore." You'd have some excuse why, you, right? You know. But it's that kind of thing. Like if somebody just came in and was, and that's what it sounds like this was. Like she just exactly. came in, like I'm gonna, I'm throwing this grenade, and you're like, "Uh, yeah, I don't need that." No. And he had a, I think he, I think you had a, a great, great way of handling that, and uh, and good job, Simon. There you go. And I think the group is better for it. It sounds like. Yeah, and on Wednesdays now. Email, I think it's my turn. Email from uh, Stephen. Stephen, didn't you read the little one? Uh, I, well, that doesn't count. Does that count? If you want to read it, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, email from Stephen from German. I'm assuming it's supposed to be Germany. Now, th- see, I write the stuff that's in bold. From German. So that, that's my fault. Hello, Happy Jack. My name is Stefan from Germany. I don't know why I'm reading it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing Pathfinder over a year ago. I have to stop. Yeah. It that, sounds Chinese now. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound Chinese. It, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I started playing Pathfinder over a year ago. Is that better? A little. That was also the time I started with tabletop games in general. Okay, now it's just be. now it's offending everyone. Maybe I can start just offending pretty much anything. Um See now huts everywhere are pissed off. Uh, I didn't use a module. Slugs. I came up with my own world and story. Uh It didn't go well. We played over TeamSpeak with map tools. In my group, there was a thief, two druids, a fighter, an alchemist, and a sorcerer. One of the druids was a gnome, and he asked me for a flying animal companion before the first session. I agreed. 
That was a mistake. It was totally overpowered, and I had trouble to implement the rules for flying correctly. Also, I fucked up the introduction into the campaign. All the players just showed up at the temple right before the highest priestess. They all got a vision uh, to show up, and I expected them to instantly group together. That didn't really happen. They stayed together, but they didn't have any reason to do so. In a tough encounter with some bandits in the forest, I beat the flying mount of the gnome druid to an inch of its life. The player then said to me, If you kill my animal... I'm going to sabotage your campaign. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was intimidated, so I did not kill his mount. Actually, I hadn't planned to kill it anyway. After the fight, there was one bandit still alive. The party wasn't far away from the town. The thief, the gnome druid, and the alchemist started a discussion whether to kill the remaining bandit or not. The druid and alchemist wanted to kill him, after which, out of the blue, the thief threatened, out of character, the other players to stab his character in the stomach if he kills the bandit. More tension was rising. It didn't come to PvP, but it was close. After a few more sessions, some of the players left, and the game just stopped without any conclusion to the story. My advice to newcomers to tabletop RGPs. Don't start as the GM. <laughs> wow. I'm now a player in a couple of games with some nice people, and it's really fun. With kind regards, Stephanie. You know... I guess we're at, we're at a point in history now where you don't need to. But, I mean, back when we started gaming, someone was the first GM, right? And oftentimes we get a new system, and we didn't know, we'd all got it, or somebody got it, says, I want to run this because I don't know how to how it works. Let's all... Sure, uh, okay. I mean, that sometimes turned into campaigns. I was not... The, uh, the, this guy, Craig, bought the Red Box set, and he ran us through the sample dungeon in the book, the very next time I played, I GM'd. Yep. I never owned the the, the player's handbook. Did How the him? fuck was I GMing <laughs> D&D without a player's handbook? <laughs> Poorly? I remember the combat system from what he did. All right. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it depends on who's in your group, too. Yeah. Right? I mean, any that's a challenge for any GM, regardless of the level of experience. Where something's happening and and a player leans in and goes, "If you kill my mount, I'm going to sabotage your campaign." You're like, "Wow!" Get up really? and walk away from the like, table that's right good. now. Thank you. Goodbye. But that's right. what that's what the experience will will lead you to. Yeah. Right. It's just saying like, you know what? I don't need I don't need a gamer in my group that bad. There's a term in MMOs called a pickup group, and that's mm-hmm. that's when you're when you pick up a bunch. Of, I, I have to I feel the need to explain it when you pick up a bunch of people that you don't know to go off and do the quest. Well, that's kind of what happens at a con or at a gaming store where you just show up, or a college in Britain somewhere mm-hmm. with a guy that wants to rape people with penises. But it, you don't know who you're going to get. Sometimes you show up with all the best of intentions, and then there's just some broken people that show up at these games, and it. It's awful. It is. <laughs> We've all had it happen right. to one and, extent or another. And look, and so if you find yourself in that situation, whether you're a GM or you're a player, uh, find the people that you identify with and self-select to hang out with them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And game with them. And if that means there's three of you, then you're going to run some games with three people. If it's just you and one other person, you're like, God, everybody else is douches. Right? Great. Then you two can go find some other people to play so with. Yeah. Kimmy's rule you know? one. Don't game with assholes. Yep. It's like, if they're if they're a bunch of assholes, you're like you said, find the people that aren't. And go, you know what? Let's have a coup, or let's go out and do our own games. Right, and mm-hmm. and look, if you're a GM, it's incumbent upon you to set the tone for the kind of game that you're going to run, whatever that is, and then you have to protect the sanctity of the group for the people that are there. Right, and say like, hey, I've got six people at my table, four of them are having a great time. These two people 
I don't like and none of the other players like and me and the other four players like what how this is going and the collaborative story we're telling and I'm going to either ask them to leave or change the night or whatever it is. Right. It's funny though, as a GM, sometimes you don't actually notice player friction or you don't notice stuff because you're busy with numbers and rules. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and only later do people come up and say, you know, we played for four game sessions and this guy's an asshole. You're like, like, what? What are you talking about? He is? You know, it's it's also interesting. I, I think that a lot of us, especially at con games, we also do it after we run even our campaign sessions. We'll ask people like, the people in the group, hey, how was that session? What'd you guys think? Right? Maybe another interesting way to do that is to email everybody in the group and like all hey what how are you feeling about the group how are you feeling about the set the game and everything because if when you ask it in front of everybody else some people may have had time to process what they thought about the game or they're like boy i'd love to tell you that the guy that i play with we play with every week because it's on my right is a jerk but i can't say that in front of him right right now right and maybe i'm not going to remember to tell you that in a couple days that's yeah or you just don't want to do it in front of the yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, it's a, you're non-confrontational, whatever, and and that's valid too. It's like you're showing up. Somebody else's the GM is throwing a party, and you're showing up, and it's like you he invited this other guy, and I'm like, it's I a don't dick want move to start a fight, and I don't yeah. want to piss the GM off. Maybe it's his friend. I don't know, right. but this guy's a jerk. Yeah. Um, and the other, the opposite side of the thing is when the GM looks around and realizes he doesn't like people. I mean, he can self censor and get rid of people and things, but it's it's tough. When the players don't get along, it's there's a lot of dynamics going on. And I, let's face it, gamers aren't great communicators, aren't great at social no. skills anyway. So when you put them all together <laughs> in a room for a long time, it can get ugly. I think most gamers are just as good at social skills as most people. I agree. We just we we have our assholes, and and having assholes is always difficult to deal with. Yes. Um, I started. I've started reading in earnest Apocalypse World. Oh, good. Because I've had <clears throat> far too many people now tell me, God damn it, Venable play Apocalypse. A lot of them. Especially when I keep yammering on about, about social mechanics. But I have started I have started reading it, and I remembered as I started reading this book, I had a review copy of it years ago when we were doing the show, and I started reading it. It wasn't at a recommendation, because the, the PDF was on my, on my laptop. Oh. And I started reading through it, and I got to the sex moves part. That's right. And I stopped. And I'm like, what sex moves? What the fuck? Was this written by a 14-year-old? And I closed the PDF and never read it again. So it's all I, coming back to you? I, I was actually... Ex- and, and I did not remember that until I started reading it again. You hit the sex moves and you went, I remember this. <laughs> this is the game I thought was written by a 14-year-old. So I, and I'm and, and you know what and it kind of it kind of reads that way too. The language of it kind of annoys me. Yeah, mm. the guy uses like like Tappy uses like when Tappy is talking extemporaneously, but this guy actually wrote it this way. And I'm like, so, and his editor let it pass. And I just editor. Said, <laughs> I I well. just I just said like like you like, like, you editor right? like. But I don't use the word like 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 when I'm writing. No. Because I can backspace. First off, I would never type it out. That drives me crazy. But other than that... It's, you wouldn't just say, "ah." <laughs> you wouldn't bother to comment. You just say it. Ogg. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but I'm, I, 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 I'm thinking at this point, I am reading it in earnest in order to either play or run in a game. Because at this point, I have, I have to. Right. But 
as I'm looking through the character, I don't know what they're called. Character, it's more than a sheet. It's like a bunch of stuff for each character. The, the packet, the packet, or the handouts. I don't know. But the, the packet with sex there's moves a, like a, and handouts like a, with sex moves. There's like a character sheet, and then there's like a, the little rules packet that comes with that character. I'm looking at that, and the way that you kind of build your character because you pay, you take like here's like three different arrays of stats you can take if you're going to play this kind of character. So I'm going to do I'm instead of like for for moment of truth instead of making characters for everyone, I'm going to say here is some pieces that you can put together in that kind of a way. I'm not going to use the same, exactly the same, because it wouldn't work. But here's some pieces you can assemble, and I'm going to let the players spend like the first... I want to try to keep it down to like a half hour to yeah. put together their characters mm-hmm. for the game. Okay. So, And they're going to. the game is going to start with... It's the old man game, right? Uh-huh. So you can make an old man if you want. I'm kind of encourage people to make old men if they want to make old men. But it's going to be, here's the scenario, here's the start... Your character is a fan of this guy. He's disappeared. Four people show up to help his wife or presumed widow piece together and solve the mystery for her and give her. Closure. You can do this at the con. At the con, you're going to run Apocalypse World. Not Apocalypse World. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it moment of truth, but okay. I'm going to kind of take a little bit from the way that they use character creation. To, cre- to create a faster gotcha. character creation. That was unclear to me. Was it? Okay, I got it. It was unclear to me, too. All I'm right. sorry. I'm, I'm a, well, you're, you're, you're speaking old, you're old man. I'm an old man. You're like speaking like extemporaneously. I am. But I'm, I'm reading it again because I'm going to, at some point, run and I really kind of like the, the vagueness of the setting so far. Because it, it's like there's been an apocalypse, whatever the fuck that means. And, like, stuff was great, and now it's not. Yeah. And it, doesn't it doesn't need to be explained. Right. Could be zombies, could be nuclear. Could, could be, be anything. Right. Could I got a... A lack of bullets. At the at the last con we were at, I, was, I had read... Uh, there was a... Playbook! Yes, thank you. It's called a playbook. Playbook. So in the, in the thank you, Drunk Dwarf. Yes, Drunk Dwarf! Um, yes! Yes! Where I had, I'm looking on my iPad right now, which is very exciting for everyone at home to see if I happen to have this in my iBooks. Um, but there was a, a, a game system that I downloaded because it seemed really interesting. And basically, it, it, it's not necessarily really an RPG, but it was uh, a map building game. And I and I don't. I don't oh, uh, one quiet one quiet year. Yeah, is what it's called. And. Uh, what a and and I and I played through some of it, kind of leading it, and then somebody was running it at the con, and so I jumped in that too. And it is a definitely a collaborative storytelling system mm-hmm. um, with some fun randomness <clears throat> and ethical choice directions in it, and what a cool way to make a world too. And you tell a whole story as you go through it. Though the thing that makes it theoretically or technically not an RPG is you do not assume a single character. Right. You are more representing the community or mm-hmm. events that happen or things like that. Um, and man, that was really it was really interesting. It was like a really cool system. Uh, and he has a, a few games like that that this guy has made. So, um, did you play to the board game section, or was it in the? RPG? No, it was in the RPG section. Cool, it was there, and it was because it's not really a board game, but you you all sit around. 
the table and create the map and the scenario and what's happening together as you go through. Like Dungeon Keeper. Kinda, yeah. That yeah. Was the, it was, yeah. Um, and he had a few other ones. The the There was another one he has Is it where called The Quiet Ear? It's called, I think it's called One Quiet Ear. What an odd name. Well, but, but that but it's what it's about. The huh. whole thing is that there's been some apocalypse, which when you think about it, that is undefined, that you actually define kind of what the apocalypse was, or you're in a place that is desolate, you draw the map, and basically there is a year that happens, you go through four seasons, and at the end of it, it's like the 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 it, reavers are coming or something. There's it a, is called I think it is called the quiet year. Maybe it is. Because I'm looking on drive through RPG uh, and it says, for, a, for this is the description, for a long time we were at war with the jackals. Yes, this is it. Okay, but now we've driven them off and we have this, a year of relative peace. Yes, that's okay, what that's it is. The, the, okay. the quiet so it's called yeah. The Quiet Year. Yeah, and it is... What a it's, great premise. It's really neat. You, 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 and it's for four people. And it's on drive through RPG for eight bucks. Yep. And if you, go to, the guy, the if you go to the guy's site, the mm-hmm. guy who did it, um, he, has a, he has a bunch of other stuff. It's probably around the same price there. He also has a fascinating thing on his site where he will let you pay for the game with good deeds. Oh, that's awesome. And he has BuriedWithoutCeremony.com. Yes. So I would encourage people to, to check that out. He had some other cool games in there. He had another one that was a collaborative storytelling. Was he was he running the game at the con? No, it was somebody else who okay. had played it and really liked it. Um, the other one I thought was super cool and would be good for, uh, it's certainly our group of, of gaming and friends, is one where uh, the the... The conceit is that you're going on a road trip. So it's like a road trip, 80s road trip movie type thing. And everyone contributes three or five songs <laughs> that that go in the soundtrack, that go on the mixtape that gets played. And each song, as it plays through, represents a next component of the story. Oh, cool. And so everyone says, like, yeah, here's the five songs I would put in. And I'm not sure, like, you might not even know what part of the story you're just going to get mixed into, right? And then when that, and then you have the length of that song to build that component of it, you kind of all act that out. It goes the next thing. And I think in that one, you're actually playing characters. But just, oh, like, he, oh, he wrote Monster Hearts, which is a yeah. Apocalypse World hack. So, yeah, yeah, he's, I mean, really interesting stuff. I love his, I loved his takes on game systems and, and ideas to, to not do the traditional role-playing. Um, which seemed, which was really cool, but yeah, the Quiet Year was was actually fun, and I would love to do that with. It seems like that's a a great game to play with other GMs. That maybe sounds weird, but because it's all about world building, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I'll put that yeah, buried without ceremony. I'll put that in the show notes, so people can go and find his shit. There we go. He has interesting titles. I like that. Mm-hmm. Monster Hearts, buried without ceremony, the Quiet Year. Mm, there you go. All there right, we go. I like it. So that's it. It's two hours. Or or two hours. Thank you for joining us for Season 12, Episode 12 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I am Comrade Bill. This is Stark. And don't forget, StrategicCon is in uh, a month. Yay! So a little less than a month now. So we'll see you there, hopefully. And... Or we may not. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, you can hear our live... Well, yep. or not live. And go take the survey. Happyjacks.org slash 2014 survey. And that's it. And we'll leave you with a song. Curse
Bum, 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 bum.